This is Linux Reality, Episode 29, Printer Networking. Hello, everybody. This is your host, Chess Griffin. This is the Linux Reality Podcast. Uh, welcome back, everybody. And if you're joining us for the first time, I'd like to welcome you. As I said last time, this is a podcast for new Linux users and for Windows and Mac users who've never tried Linux and thought about doing so, just need a little help. That's what we're here for. Uh, I got a lot of really awesome feedback from the episode last week, I, more than I would have thought, actually. I think folks really appreciated having all of those links to the different uh, you know websites for all the different pieces of hardware that, that you need to look at, as well as those Linux hardware vendors. You know, I was thinking about that episode after I posted it and uh, after I got started getting the feedback. And, you know, one thing I should have said, maybe I did kind of, but um, what it really comes down to, I think, is that in Linux, you've got to do your research first. And, you know, as much as, um, as much as the hardware vendors, you know, some hardware vendors at least are, you know, maybe helping, helping the developers with, uh, with some of the drivers, very few, very few hardware, uh, vendors really officially support Linux. So, uh, it's really up to the community to make those pieces of hardware work. And so you've really got to, you know, when you're in the market for something, do some research first and, and find out, uh, which pieces of hardware work with your distribution and then go from there. Uh, that's that's what I have done, and that's what I have found to work out, for, you know, work very well. So, just wanted to, you know, thank you all for that great feedback. And uh, let's see, I, I don't think I've got any other uh, administrative stuff at this point, other than just a reminder again that I'm going to be out of town the week of September 10th. But I've got something lined up for you all, so there'll still be an episode that week. So just stay tuned for that. Let's check out some listener feedback. Message for you, son. Hi, Jeff. Uh, my name's Kurt. I'm a Linux user who just discovered your podcast here maybe a month ago, and I'm getting caught up on all your all your various uh, volumes you got out there. And I just had to call. I haven't been uh, prompted to, to call another podcaster or even email. But i got to tell you, this podcast is the best explanation, the clearest explanation, of all these various uh, Linux issues that I've ever seen or heard. And i got to tell you, I sure appreciate it. I've been using Linux, I've been using Linux for seven years now, and uh, I've still learned a few things from you. I still consider myself a newbie. And uh, this, is, this has just been great stuff. Thanks so much. Keep up the good work. And I'm going to be sending you some money, and I would urge everybody else to help lighten the load and, Keep you doing what you do so well. Thanks again. Well, thanks, Kurt. That is really nice of you. That's a that's one nice voicemail. I sure do appreciate that. And I'm just doing what I can. And uh, it's funny you said that. You know, you've been using Linux for seven years and still feel like you're a newbie. I'm right there with you. I mean, I feel the same way. And it's you know, I certainly. I mean, I don't feel like I know that much about Linux compared to a lot of people. So um, I just know you know what I know, and I'm just trying to pass that along to to people and try to explain it in a way that I think is easy to understand. And, uh, you know, certainly the stuff I say is not the only way to do things or necessarily the best way, but it's it's what I have found to work. So, you know, hopefully there's there's little nuggets here and there that, that help out people. And, and so I appreciate that, Kurt. I really do. Thanks so much. Hey, Chess. This is Richard from Trinidad and Tobago in the Caribbean. Love your show. I found it about two months ago. And I went back and listened to all the past episodes. 
I am not a new Linux user since I first used SUSE 5.3 in 1999 and I administer Red Hat servers at work. However, I am a new Linux desktop user, having recently switched from Windows XP to Ubuntu. I find your shows are very helpful to me since I have never had to deal with issues like audio applications or video applications. Also, your resources to Linux help sites and Linux hardware forums have also been very helpful since when you buy a server with Red Hat, all the hardware is already compatible. Keep up the great work and I know that is very greatly appreciated by the entire community. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Richard. I do appreciate that very much. And uh, it's so cool to get voicemail and feedback from, from people from all over the world. You know, it's just, that's just amazing. So uh, I'm really glad that you found the podcast and that you found it helpful. I think it's pretty cool that you're, that, you know, you're administering Red Hat servers at work and, uh, that, that you still find something here that, that helps out. So that makes me feel really good. Thanks so much, Richard. I've also got two uh, emails here. I, I, you know, I don't normally like to read the emails just but these are these are some good ones, and they sort of follow up on some of the things we I was just talking about. First one is here from Pete uh, from London. He says, "Hi, Chess. Thanks for your show. It's very informative. You commented on the show that Sound Blaster audio cards usually had no problems when running under Linux. Whilst this is true up to and including uh, Creative's Autogy series of cards, which work fantastically well under the Alsa sound system, I might add." It really is worth pointing out that Creative's new XFi range of sound cards do not work under Linux. Creative has said that they will not release drivers for Linux before quarter two, 2007, and I understand that they have not given the ALSA development team sufficient information about the architecture of the new chip to enable them to write an open source driver. At, as of today's date, the ALSA site gives no ETA for a driver, and I don't imagine it's going to change anytime soon, unfortunately. Uh, and then he, go, he goes on to say, personally, I feel really let down by Creative over this issue. Although, as you said in the podcast, I really should have checked on the forums for compatibility before I bought the new card. Well, you live and learn. Uh, thanks again for the show and keep it up. And thanks, Pete. That's great. Someone else in the forums posted, um, I think JZA did, also posted about high-end uh, audio cards not working well under Linux. And so I appreciate that feedback. Those are pieces of hardware I don't have, uh, I never have, so I, I've never experimented with that. So that's the kind of feedback I, I really appreciate. Um, so that's 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 great. Thank you. Thank you, Pete. Uh, and then I got a last email here I'll read is from Jay. And um, Jay says, hey, Chess, great podcast. I've been delaying for years out of laziness setting up a Samba file and print server for my home network. After listening to your two-part networking podcast, I decided to take the plunge. I installed Ubuntu 5.05 on an old machine and had the file server humming in under an hour. Thanks so much for putting those notes together for us. Looking forward to more great stuff. Keep up the good work. And that is great, Jay. I'm so glad to hear that. You know, I've said it before. I've kind of, I was kind of a little nervous about those two episodes just because I know they were technical and it's hard to read commands. I mean, I know that's, you know, I don't want to say boring. God, I hope, I hope this isn't boring. <laughs> I don't think it is, but, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to read. And that's why I need to put the commands in the show notes. And I've been saying that and I'm going to do that. I've got a few more this week, although this one's not too bad. Uh, so, but I'm glad to hear that, uh, that those did work for you. So, Thanks so much, guys, and thanks for all the other great feedback I got this week. It really does mean a lot. So uh, appreciate it, and let's check out some listener tips. To start, press any key. Where's the any key? I see ask, 
Kataro and Pickup. There doesn't seem to be any any key. Hi, Chess and my fellow Linux reality listeners. This is Aaron from Minnesota. I'm also known as Sintu in the forums, and who, whoever hasn't gone there yet, I recommend they do because it's pretty fun. Definitely. I caught the podcast back when you guys had two episodes out, I think it was, on iTunes. And I've been a subscriber ever since. It's been really informative, and I love it. And I have a listener tip for you. Um, whenever I was in the terminal, just cruising through folders, and I came across a folder that has a space in the file name, I didn't know how to access it. So but what you do is you type cd space the first word in the file name, and then backslash space the next word. And that's how you can have, navigate to those folders that have spaces in their names. Uh, I hope you find that helpful because I really had no idea on how to do that. And just thanks for the show, really enjoying it. And see you guys later. See you on the forums. Well, thanks for that tip. Uh, that is a great tip, and you are exactly right. What that entails, or what he was describing, is, is the process of escaping a character. And uh, certain characters uh, are, are, I don't know how to describe it, but certain characters are special characters in and of themselves, like um, maybe a period or, you know, a dollar sign. Uh, you know, so when you're in the terminal in Bash, some of those types of characters have certain special characteristics. But when you want those characters to mean what they, what they are, uh, then you need to tell Bash not to, not to, um, treat those characters with the special, with the special characteristics, but to just treat them as a plain old character. So for example, like like he was just saying, when you've got a, a directory name that has a space in it, and here's a good example. Let's say you're using wine, and you know you go into the .wine hidden directory and the C drive or whatever it is, and there's going to be a directory in there called program files because that's where Windows puts all of its applications. Well, program files is two words. There's a space in there. But if you were to type CD uh, program space files, what, what Bash is going to think is it's going to do CD program because it's going to hit when it gets to that space it's going to think you're done typing the name of the directory uh, uh, so th so what you want to do is you want to put program backslash which means ignore and then space and then files so the backslash means you're escaping the space that's that's the terminology at least that's that's the way I understand it so uh, that's a great tip and it's very common that you you know need to use that I mean in Linux you know usually your directories are not going to have spaces or anything like that so it's usually not a problem but occasionally you run into that all right I got one last tip here and it's actually from Kurt again he was the guy who left the voicemail um, that I played a few minutes ago but he called back because I think he thought his first call didn't go through but then he also added a pretty nifty little tip and it's real short and sweet so I thought I'd go ahead and play it Hi, Jeff. Uh, excellent podcast. This is Kurt. I just think that last call I made might have been uh, might have been messed up a bit, but I wanted to reiterate: excellent podcast. You you do the best job of explaining links I've ever heard, and I sure look forward to every every new podcast. And I thought I would add that uh, it might be worth mentioning that at the at the price of hard drives today. 
it's a really good idea to just put a drive in separately for Linux. That way you can point your BIOS to it if you don't want to mess with the master boot record. Um, again, I love your work, and keep it up. Have a great one. Thanks, Kurt. That's a good tip and a good point. Something I hadn't even really thought about mentioning before, but you're exactly right. Might as well throw in a second drive and not worry about it at all. So I uh, appreciate that. With that, let's check out. Uh, oh, no, we're not checking out anything. We're done with all the checking out. In fact, we're turning to the main part of the show, uh, printer networking. Okay, this week we're going to continue or pick back up, I should say, some of the networking stuff we've been talking about. And we're going to talk specifically about printer networking. And I guess before I get to the, the printer networking part, I should just talk about printers in general. And I, this kind of follows on the heels of last week's episode, I guess. But um, USB printers, for the most part, work really well. There are some that don't work at all. Uh, they might as well be paperweights. So, and I touched, and I, like I said, I, I mentioned this last week, but I, I thought I'd emphasize it again because actually a couple of people have asked in the forums about uh, specific printers. Before you buy a printer, definitely go to linuxprinting.org. You've got to go there because they've got a very, very good up-to-date database on printers and you just in fact it's you know drop down box by by manufacturer and then it and there's another drop down box by model and you just click on it and it's very easy it's like you know thumbs up or thumbs down that's not what they use but effectively that's you know essentially that's what you're finding out whether it works or not and some printers work great and some work some don't work at all in my experience hp printers work very well under linux not every single one but a good number of them so you know, HP is a good is a good manufacturer when it comes to Linux printing. So, okay, so let's say you've got a printer and you want to network it. And there's uh, there's obviously lots of considerations here. Everybody's network is going to be different, but uh, it's not uncommon for people to want to share printers. And either that means sharing printers between Linux computers or sharing printers between Linux and Windows computers. And so that's kind of what I'm going to talk about. Uh, the main program that you're going to need to have installed, regardless of, of which way you're going, is uh, CUPS, C-U-P-S, and I think it stands for Common Unix Printing System or something like that. Uh, but it's a it's a it's a server. It's a little piece of software, and it's a it's a print server software. What it does is it uh, it it provides the ability to, well, it does two things really. Is it is it allows your Linux computer to print to your standalone printers. In other words, it's a way to configure your your attached printers without any network. And then it also allows you to share those printers. Now, you often see when you're kind of reading around about using Samba to share printers. And what's interesting is you don't necessarily have to use Samba. You do have to use CUPS in every instance, really. I mean, I mean, there may be other packages out there, but I'm focusing on CUPS. But, you, you know, you do need to use CUPS no matter what, no matter what your machines are, no matter where you're going. But the Samba part is kind of optional. Um, when you're printing, sort of, and I'll explain this in more detail in a minute, but um, a lot of times people just automatically assume they have to configure CUPS and Samba in order to share printers. And I guess my main point, at least initially, is just to say that's not necessarily the case. When you're sharing printers between Linux machines, for example, CUPS is all you need. You don't need Samba. Obviously, if you want to share files, that's a different story. And sometimes people will set up Samba to share files between Linux computers anyway. So you might still be using Samba. But I guess my point is you don't necessarily have to. 
So uh, before I break it down into the different, you know, the different types of configurations, uh, what you'll need to do, of course, is like I said, is install cups. Uh, so just go to your package manager and just search for for the cups package and go ahead and install that. Now the service or the server that's installed, just like with Samba, remember how I talked about how you have to start, stop, and restart Samba? Well, the same is true with Cups, and I have found it to be slightly different between different distributions. In most distributions, I think what you would do in the command line as a root or typing sudo, it would be sudo space slash etsy slash init period d slash cups and then start stop or restart however in some distributions it would be this almost this exact same thing it would be sudo space slash etsy slash init period d slash cups d all one word all you know cups d for uh, cups daemon space you know and then start stop restart and then to further c complicate things I, I think in ubuntu it's different again it is sudo space slash etsy slash init period d slash cups ys or cup sys c u p s y s space and then start stop and restart so and and you know obviously in certain distributions you have graphical tools like yast or the mandriva control center where you can go in and start stop re, uh, services so you can always do that but that's the command line those are the basically the three command line options you you would have to start cups in most distributions a few distributions um slackware and arch linux for example use a slightly different uh, configuration so it would be slash etsy slash rc period d slash cups but anyway, for those of you who use Slackware Arch, you probably already know that. Okay, so now once you've got Cups installed, there's a couple things. One prerequisite you should do right off the bat, as far as I'm concerned. And what you want to do is you want to enable um, uh, you want to enable other machines to access the remote server. Now let me pause right here. What I'm starting off with, of course, is I'm starting off with printers attached to your Linux machine. If you have printers attached to a Windows machine and you want to print to it from Linux, I'm going to get to that in a minute. But let's say you have a Linux box and you've got a printer attached to it and you want to both access it directly from the local machine and also share it over the network. That's what I'm talking about first. So the very first thing you're going to want to do on your Linux machine in order to start setting up cups is you're going to want to edit a file just like we did with Samba. So you'll want to go into a terminal and you'll want to type cd space space slash etsy slash cups. That takes you to the cups directory in the etsy directory. All right. Now in there you can do an ls and just look at the files you've got there. And one of the files there is cupsd.conf. That's c-u-p-s-d uh, period c-o-n-f. That's the cups uh, configuration file. So the first thing you want to do is back it up. So do cp space uh, cupsd.conf space cupsd.conf uh, dash backup or whatever. Just you know, just make a copy of it and back it up. All right, and then you'll want to edit this this cups.cupsd.conf file. So type in sudo space nano space cupsd.conf. And what you'll want to do is scroll down a little bit until you get to a a line. Um, or uh, you know, there's you know, there's could be two tags, you know, an, an opening tag and a closing tag, 
and the first one is location. So you'll see, uh, you know, um, less than location space bracket uh, close um, greater than. Is that right? Less than greater than. Uh, you you want to look for a section that says um, allow from one two seven dot zero dot zero dot one, and that is in the location uh, space uh, forward slash not the location space forward slash admin. That's the uh, section where you can configure remote administration. So look for um, where you see location space forward slash, and you want to add a line. You want to add a line after the allow from 127.0.0.1, and you want to add a line that says allow from, and then insert your network um, subnet, I guess, um, and but with a with the with the last number being a wildcard or an asterisk. So, for example, if your network is 192.168.0. whatever, if all your machines are you know dot zero dot something, then type in allow from 192.168.0. dot asterisk. In other words, what you're doing is you're saying in this section, I'm going to allow all the machines on my local network which are all 192.168.0. something, I'm going to allow them access to the printers in cups. That's what that line does. Okay, once you've done that, um, whenever you make a change, by the way, you'll need to restart cups, just like with Samba, and just like with most, th most things in Linux, when you make changes to these configuration files, you'll need to restart the service. So you just do what I, what I mentioned a few minutes ago to restart. Okay, so now, uh, two more little changes that we're going to do. We're going to um, allow, and we may not need this, but we're going to go ahead and do it. We're going to enable support for Windows PCL drivers. Um, I don't, I'm not much of a printer guru, so you know, forgive me if I don't get the terminology exactly right. But um, from my understanding, PCL drivers are certain Windows drivers that basically send raw data um, to the print queue. And you can um, then the print queue can take that raw data and I guess format it and print it out versus the formatting and all that coming from the client end, something along those lines. Basically, this is allowing raw printing, and I think when you have raw printing, that means there's not much you can change on the client side. So this is not something we're necessarily going to need, but we're, since we're mucking around in the terminal, we might as well we might as well enable this because this these two little changes tend to be forgotten a lot of times, and they can fix a lot of problems. Okay, so we're still in the cups file. So there's two other files in here that we're going to want to edit. And I'm not going to step through each one. I'm just going to tell you what to do, because then you can, you can go in and do it yourself. You should, you should see one file called mine.types, and you'll see another file called mine.convs. I don't really know what convs means. but So the two files that begin with mime, Okay, mime.types and mime.convs. You want to open those up as root, of course, so, you know, sudo space nano, and then the name of the file. And in both of those files, there will be a line in there somewhere with the following, application slash octet dash stream. I'll say that again, application forward slash octet dash stream. And both in both of those files, that line... It's going to be commented, meaning it's going to have a you know a pound sign or a number sign in front of it. And what you want to do is uncomment that line in both of those files, and save them, of course. And you know you should back up these files, of course, before you make this this change. Okay, 
Now, once you've made those changes, then we are probably going to be done in the terminal, although there might be some things that need to be done, but we should be, we should be pretty much ready to go. Obviously, again, restart cups, and, uh, and once you've got cups restarted, uh, then you're going to want to go, then you're going to want to set up your printer. And again, I'm still talking about a printer attached to your Linux machine. I'm going to talk about uh, printers attached to Windows machines in a minute. And what we're, what we're going to do, what I'm walking through right now, is a way to share the printer attached to your Linux machine to Linux machines or to Windows machines. That's why we're making these changes. We're going to kill two birds with one stone here. All right, we've made those changes to the CUPS configuration file. Now we've got to set up the printer. And what you'll need to do is open up a web browser. CUPS has a web-based administration uh, tool, I guess, or whatever. It's, 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 you know, you, you administer it through a, through a web-based uh, environment. So fire up a web browser and type in HTTP colon slash slash localhost colon 631. 631 is the port that CUPS runs on. Just like with Windows file sharing running on ports 137, 138, 139, uh, CUPS runs on 631. And I should actually pause right here and say, before you do anything, uh, if you're going to want to start sharing your printers across the network, make sure your firewalls have 631 open. Again, that's something else that trips people up a lot. Or do like we did with Samba and just temporarily turn off your software firewalls. And just like with Samba, I'm not talking about opening up 631 through your NAT router to the outside world. You know, of course, don't do that. But just among your machines inside your network, behind your NAT router, if you have software file firewalls on them, you're going to need to open up 631. Okay, so HTTP colon slash slash localhost colon 631. That takes you to the CUPS administration tool. You'll need to type in your root password, and then you'll then you'll be in, in the CUPS um, tool. And you can just click on, I think you go to administration. Um, you'll see a little button there, administration. Click on that, and then click on add printer. All right. And this will just take you through a little wizard, and it's really not that complicated. Uh, this is now what we're doing right now is we're setting up the local printer on the local machine. We're not networking yet. Um, I think let's see. This will walk you through a few steps, and let me give you some some brief comments on a, on a few of these. Uh, when it, when it asks you for the spooler name, what you're going to want to do is type in just a real short name. Uh, that's going to be used on the system to identify the printer, and it shouldn't have any spaces or anything. So, like I told you last time, I've got an HP 1300, so I would just type HP 1300 all together, no spaces or anything. Um, for location, this is completely optional. You know, you, you know, this is where you can type in bedroom or m my office or whatever. That's not, I don't ever use that. Uh, and same with uh, description. You can just have a full-fledged description of, you know, uh, dad's HP 1300 or something with spaces and all of that kind of stuff. I ignore that as well. All right, the next screen asks you where this printer is located or where, you know, where it should look for this printer. And you'll have a bunch of options. And you, like you'll see, um, you know, HP JetDirect. I've never used that. You'll see Internet Printing Protocol, IPP, and we will use that in a few minutes. So just remember that. You'll see LPD slash LPR. You'll see parallel port and USB printer. And if you have, I'm kind of, I'm going to just say, let's say we have a USB printer here. So you'll want to click select USB printer. 
if you've got just a if you've got a USB printer attached to this Linux machine. Okay, and once you do that, then it will ask you a few more steps. Ask you to select a printer manufacturer. So you would you know select say HP for example, and uh, and then you'll have to select the model type and the and the the number and all that kind of stuff. And you it's pretty self-explanatory. And you'll want to scroll down and try to find your exact model number. Now I'll talk about adding additional CUPS drivers in a few minutes, but um, so hopefully there'll be a driver in the in the default CUPS screen here for your printer. Okay, and you can always change the driver later on. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, now that you've got the printer set up, the first thing I'd do is print. You know, you're back at the main CUPS first screen, and you should see your printer now. And uh, what you can do is just uh, click, you know, test, you know, um, print test page, and uh, and then that will obviously print a test page and hopefully that should work okay once you've done that you'll want to obviously um, connect to this printer from your other machines okay so now we're still on a, a printer connected to a Linux machine and if you have another Linux machine that you want to uh, connect to this printer what you will want to do is on that other Linux machine is install cups okay and then go into the cups web uh, administration uh, type in your root password, type in add printer, and then when it asks you, when it gets to the part where it asks you, you know, where it's connected, where you could normally select USB or, or whatever, what you want to do is you want to select the, um, the IPP, the Internet Printing Protocol, okay? And so select IPP. Now, this is on your second Linux machine, and you're trying to connect back to your, back to your first Linux machine. And when you select IPP, uh, IPP is basically a it's a it's a way to uh, connect to uh, printers uh, you know over the network without using Windows specific Samba networking or anything like that. And there's a and and the Cups tool the Cups um, administration is a it, it gives you examples on how to um, on, on how to type in the URL. Usually it will take the um, it'll take one of two forms. Usually you'll type in you'll you know you'll once you select IPP when it asks you for the location or or of where that printer is. I think the line I think the box actually says uh, enter device URI or something like that. And underneath it you'll see examples. So you'll see IPP colon slash slash hostname slash IPP slash port or port one. And usually what I've had to do is type in the following. It's I've had to type in IPP colon slash slash hostname, so the hostname of the Linux machine that has the printer connected to it directly, um, or the IP address slash printers slash printer name. And that's where that short printer name comes in handy. That's why, you know, under my example, I said, let's type in HP 1300, no spaces. That's the printer name. So the full... Um, URI would be IPP colon slash slash hostname slash printers slash printer name. So try that. Or you could do this HTTP colon slash slash hostname colon 631 slash IPP slash Q and then and the Q syntax. The Q syntax sometimes is, you know, L1 or L2. You just gonna have to try. There's different examples you'll see there in the uh, on the cups page, but usually the IPP 
uh, system works just fine. So that's what you can do to connect to that printer from another Linux machine. Now, the cool thing is you can do, with what we've done so far, you can do the exact same thing to connect to that printer from Windows. So you're, you've still got your printers connected to the Linux machine. You've enabled the, you know, the, the remote access uh, to the printer under cups.cupsd.conf. You've configured the printer in cups. And now you're on your, now you go over to your Windows machine and you want to connect to it. Same thing. And uh, IPP printing is, is supported out of the box in Windows 2000 and Windows XP. For Windows 9X and Windows ME, I think you're going to, you, there's a, there's a separate, I think you've got to download something and install it. I'm, I've seen it. I don't know exactly. I don't remember exactly what it is, but there's some little piece of software you've got to install on Windows 9X and Windows ME to enable IPP printing. But most people have 2000 XP. So all you would do is, you know, in Windows, you go to the, you know, the add printer wizard. And I think, I think it doesn't ask you if it's local or if it's a network printer. So you'd select network printer. And then when it asks, asks you for the URL or the URI, you would use the HTTP colon slash slash hostname colon 631 slash printers slash Q syntax. Uh, and that works real well. I mean, it, I, I, like I said, I do this and, uh, I've got, I've tried it on, on, I mean, I've done this before with windows machines and it works great. It works very well. So no Samba needed. Now, if you had a, um, if you had Samba set up already, so let's say your Linux machine was also acting as a file server and serving files, uh, to your windows machines. So you were connecting to Linux from windows for files you can use Samba also for the printing, and Samba really uses CUPS as the back end. So you do need to get the CUPS set up and working, but then you'll need to make two little changes to your to your Samba configuration file if you want to share printers over Samba. And the first one is in the global section at the top of the Samba, well, the smb.com file we talked about a few weeks ago. You'll see two lines. One is called print cap name equals and the other one is printing equals. And in both of those, you want to put cups. So you want to have print cap name equals cups and printing equals cups. And then you can also, when you scroll down, when you start defining the shares, you know, the home directories and all that kind of stuff, you'll see, and there should be an example in there, but you'll see a, a section where you can do the printers. And it basically says printers in, you know, in brackets, and uh, there'll be comment equals all printers. This is the default, what's in there. You'll see comment equals all printers, path equals slash uh, var slash spool slash samba. You'll see browsable equals no, guest okay equals no, writable equals no, printable equals yes. And what you want to add is public equals yes. And you can also add printer name equals and then add in the printer name, the HP 1300 in my example. And that will make that printer um, discoverable just in the Windows networking um, from the Windows machine using Samba. And then you don't have to do any of that, you know, adding adding a network printer and all that. So that's that's sharing from Linux to Windows and also sharing from Linux to Linux. You can do it all from cups only. Uh, and that's what I've done. And it has worked out real well. Now, if you have a uh, printer attached to your Windows machine already, and you want to print to it from cups, excuse me, from Linux, then obviously I think at that point you're using, 
Samba. I'm pre- I don't know if there's a way for Windows to serve printers using IPP. So in, in, in this case, what you'll need to do, it's, it's pretty easy. Obviously, in Windows, you've got to set up the printer for sharing, you know, share the printer. So I think what you do in Windows, you right-click on the printer and you go down to sharing and then turn it on and give it a name or whatever. Uh, so, you, you know, so do that, of course, first. And then on the Linux side, all that you need to do is you still need to use cups. And what you do is you go into your local host, colon 631. You go to that that cups web-based administration tool. Again, you click on administration, you click on add printer, just like you did a few minutes ago for the locally attached printer. And then when you get to the screen where you select, you know, where it's connected to the whole, you know, where it's USB or parallel port or whatever, um, if you've got, what you'll need to do is, well, I should I should have backed up. Uh, you need to have Samba, of course, installed if you're going to connect to Windows. That's the one instance where you do need Samba. Uh, so uh, you've got Samba ready to go. You've got Samba configured. You've got Cups, the web-based tool, uh, the web administration up and running. And when you're at the screen where you can select where the printer is connected to, there should be a new entry in the drop-down box, and you'll see it will say something like Windows Printer via Samba. Uh, and uh, uh, that that's what you'll need to select that. And then when you get to the page where you enter the URI, for the for the uh, for the printer, you'll need to enter it in a slightly different uh, syntax. And again, you'll see an example of this in cups. But basically, the syntax is smb colon slash slash username colon password. Of course, that's your Windows username and password. At that's the at sign, just like an email. Uh, workgroup slash server slash printer name. All right, let me read that all together without interrupting it. SMB colon slash slash username colon password at workgroup slash server slash printer name. And if that doesn't work, there's another syntax you can try, and that is SMB colon slash slash server slash printer name. Uh, so both of those, I've done those in the past, and they both work. They will connect to the to the Windows machine and access the Samba shared printer that's on the Windows machine, and then you can then you'll have that printer in cups. And once it's in cups, then it's available to you in Linux in all applications. Now there is a great cups tool in the KDE Control Center, and there's also of course a printer tool in GNOME. I think you go, I don't remember exactly where it is, but you know it's it's where you can add a printer using a little GUI tool, and that's where you'll see your cups printers, and uh, you can make changes as far as you know the letter size and the, you know, different defaults like that, that you can, you know, that, that you can do, um, both of, both of, you know, within those two graphical tools. So those two graphical tools are really good. And I think there's also ways you can enter, you know, administrator mode and actually add the printers without having to go to any of the command line or having to go to the cups web-based tool. But I have found that the cups web-based tool to be pretty easy to use. And that's just what I'm used to. And it's, you know, cross-platform and cross-desktop environment. Once you're used to using the CUPS web tool, it doesn't matter what desktop you use because it's it's the same in, in all cases. Now, one last thing here before I wrap up. I had talked about installing different drivers in Linux. There's a couple of them. Uh, the first one is the GIMP print driver. And actually, I think this has now changed to 
uh, gosh, what is it, Guten Print or something? Uh, it's something strange like that. If you Google for GIMP Print, you'll find it. But uh, there are some additional drivers that were, I guess, originally um, uh, used for GIMP, and they're for different. They're open source drivers for some different printers, some Canon Epsons, HPs, and and different PCL printers. Uh, and they support cups and ghost script and the GIMP and other applications, stuff like that. So there's some, there's, there is that tool out there. You basically what you would do is you would download that package. And then when you go back into cups and you go to, and you maybe you modify the, the printer. And once you get past the, the, the sections where they ask you for the make and the manufacturer where you select a driver, you'll see additional drivers there. You'll see, you'll see GIMP print drivers. For your printer, you know, assuming they have a they have one for your printer, they may not. But it's just a way to get some additional drivers that may give you some additional features and settings. That's that's one. Another one is um, the HP drivers. It's HP LIP um, in all caps. Uh, that used to be, if you've been using Linux for a while, you may remember the old HP. What was it? HP IJS or JIS or something or HP OJ. Those were different uh, open source HP drivers. Those have been deprecated, as far as I understand it. And this uh, HP LIP driver now re replaces those. Uh, so that works very well. That's what I actually use the HP LIP drivers for my 1300, and it's great in in cups and in all of my graphical configuration tools for printers. I have a whole host of options in terms of you know you can set the different. You know, you can set like the different grayscales, whether it's high quality or medium quality and all that kind of stuff. So um, that's kind of nice. I think that's it. I had a look at my notes here. I was trying to see. Uh, there's a bunch of good pages on the Internet. There's a really good one um, in the Gen 2 docs that I'll link to. Uh, there's some there's some one a couple ones in the Gen 2 wiki. Uh, the Gen 2 docs are always good places to start, even if you don't use Gen 2. They just their docs are so good. Uh, you know, in the in the Ubuntu um, wiki and forms, there's a few things, but I didn't find anything all that helpful. Um, there were a few, but I'll put some links to some additional Cups documentation uh, for you. And of course, the the documentation on the Cups website is pretty good as well. So I would uh, check all that out. And I think with that, um, I know it's been kind of, I've been kind of talking a lot here, so I think it's time to wrap it up. All right, everybody. Well, I um, hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I think it was. I think it'll be helpful. I'm looking forward to your feedback. Let me know uh, what you think, and we can talk about it in the forums. For, you know, for those of you who have not checked out the forums, you really should. There's There are a lot of folks over there, and there's a lot of good discussions, and um, I'm really happy with the way that thing's taken off. So please do check that out. And also, put your name on the Frapper map. You know, we're almost at 1,000 uh, people on the Frapper map, if you can believe it. I think last time I checked, it was like 985, so we're real close. And, you know, if you're um, user 1000 on the map, um, I will mention your name. <laughs> I, maybe not. I don't know. I was trying to think of something to get people to do it. Uh, maybe that's kind of silly. So but just check that out. All right. Uh, let's see. Next week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to still hold off again. I've got a couple other ideas, so I'm, I'm debating on what to do. Like I said, I'll do an episode next week, and then the week after will be kind of a you know, special week because I'll be out of town. Uh, so things will be a little bit in flux here for the next week or two, but just stay tuned, stay subscribed, 
let all your friends know about us. And I sure do appreciate all that feedback. You guys are great. Take care. Bye-bye.